May 13, 2020. Today we discuss updating clients like Teams and a bit of Azure news. I am Michael Askins, architect, Taste Labs, and this is the Technology Architecture Solution Engineering Show. How you doing, Mr. Girl? Another day in paradise. How about you, Mr. Askins? Another day lockdown. Our particular neck of the woods is changing color code to be a little more free to move about and commingle, but that's a different different topic for a different podcast than a different different show. You are free to move about the cabin. <laughs> yep, pretty much. I really don't understand the the main difference other than. Um, You know, like some businesses are starting to open up a little bit more and, you know, smaller businesses that have smaller people can start cohabitating offices with distance rules and things of that nature. So aside from that, you know, you still have to cover yourself. So I have to do all those happy bits. Um, But we also still have to do our jobs, right? Yeah, I think that um, a lot of it, at least what I've seen is for like the um, the restaurant industry being able to do some like outdoor seating and stuff like that, which I think is a good slow step into it, keeping everybody kind of separated, um, but also giving the opportunity for those smaller organizations to earn some revenue because I know some of them are hurting. So hopefully everything goes off smoothly. Do you know what's not hurting? The amount of Azure news that's been coming out recently. Look at that transition. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, yeah. So we 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 wanted to throw a little. We've been focusing a lot on modern workplace recently. Um, obviously, for like collaboration and tools and things of that nature, we still have a little bit of that in there for you to, for this show. Um, and we are going to try to keep the time down uh, to something reasonable. But there's like a couple big big announcements came out recently. Uh, I'm not saying what we're going to talk about today is the big announcements. What we're going to talk about today is impactful for sure. But um, keeping that pulse on what's happening out there in a tech world with the flurry of media and the flurry of, of, of vendors showing what they can do to help you is a lot of the news is getting kind of washed out. Have you been saying that too in your feeds? Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, a lot of the, the news on, you know, the current events and, and what the response is to that and, and such is kind of overpowering the small yet powerful incremental changes that Microsoft is releasing. So you got to keep a sharp eye out for those. Yeah, absolutely. So one of those is uh, Azure File Sync, which is, you know, it's very important that we bring this up, I think. Um, I know this is often missed by organizations, uh, this particular tool. So like I see this a lot for certain certain demographics of my day jobs client base, and I know you do too as well, uh, but they're dropping that TLS 1.0 and 1.1 in August. Um, so most people are like, oh, what's the big deal about that? Or we knew this is coming. Well, it does impact organizations um, that have some challenges or maybe configurations a specific way. Um, is there anything you wanna to touch on on that or any details you wanna bring up? No, I definitely saw that. And I know that it's going to be definitely impactful. Uh, it's one of those little things, you know, 1.0, 1.1, 1.2 seems very incremental, but it's going to have huge impacts uh, if you're not ready for it and prepared for it. And like we said earlier, understand what the implications are of its its changes. So I think it's for, good, for sure a good call out. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to put on the, uh, not the way back machine, but the let's sprint forward machine in summer in August, uh, September, probably September would be my guess. We're going to get some panic calls by people saying it's not working uh, or we didn't notice it's not working and something crazy going on. And it's likely because um, the sync agent that goes on 
is automatically updated. There's a checkbox to automatically update that sync engine. But I know there's organizations out there that uncheck that because they want to have a, a curated experience um, of, of what is accepted and tested and allowed in their environment. So if they uncheck that and they maybe have a, a dependency on some legacy version of TLS for something else that's maybe cohabitating that server and they made those, those tweaks to allow that older protocol be the one and disable the 1.2, your syncing of your files is just not going to work. It's just going to break, right? Um, So one of the other things that we see, uh, it's called out in articles all over the place. Um, This is more probable than what I just described is is proxies. So if you have a a data center and you're locking down how things reach out across um, the internet and into your private cloud or into Azure, any cloud for that matter. Uh, you know, a lot of people put up some proxies in the way to try to stop direct access should something happen. And those proxies occasionally are supporting older versions of TLS or or if it does support multiple versions and you have things threaded certain ways. Um, one of the things that breaks from a from a networking perspective is the the chaining of that out through the proxy. And so it'll just kind of kind of blow up on itself. So just throwing that out there for those of you out there who are using uh, file sync. Um, super important that you have that doubt in because you're just not going to sync. I think the uh, the next topic you have on the agenda here is probably one of my favorites near and dear to my heart. So why don't you just take the whole topic beginning to end then? Um, so obviously listeners of the show know that Azure Monitor is one of my favorite things. And it looks like, uh, you know, logs agent for Linux, uh, May 2020 is out. Um, so <laughs> the architects are a big fan of Azure Monitor, I see in your notes. Uh, <laughs> definitely, I definitely think that is uh, definitely uh, the case for me. Um, you know, the operations management suite, kind of the, the precursor to a lot of that, the agent is now available with uh, a lot of stability fixes, uh, support for Azure Arc, which is going to be another really big game changer among many others. Um, Azure Arc, I think is going to be Azure Arc mixed with Azure Monitor is going to be a huge, huge leg up for the Azure environment uh, this coming year and the rest of the year uh, and upcoming. Yeah, absolutely. So support for Red Hat Eight, um, that's key too on this this particular um, functionality update, if you will. The thing that I thought was interesting um, is that a lot of the news in, in news sites and newsletter sites that pepper my 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 eyeballs in the morning is talking a lot about the Red Hat Red Hat Enterprise Linux version eight being able to be supported. Now there are some native things in in RHEL eight that provide some monitoring too. So it's almost like there's like the, the feature and functionality of the OS is being aided or, ha, or is aiding Azure Monitor. So I mean as with all OSs, I mean you don't want to have your monitoring solution go in and make operational changes, right? Uh, you want it to just, you know, be there as a as a collect, collector, if you will. Um, but, you, you know, what you touched on is the Azure Arc bit in the whole Arc experience. And it's worth noting, we, we should have its own, its own, like, complete a half an hour, 40 minutes to just Arc. Um, it's really, 
refreshing to see that mentality move forward with Azure Arc as the mechanism for your on-premises, your in Azure, your AWS, your GC, you, you name it. Um, Arc is the way to go. Uh, so without going into this like super crazy details, because I think you're going to want to do its own show too. I mean, it's way too big to have it as its own thing, but um, the thought around that whole that whole methodology of, yeah, we're, we're not everything to everyone, but we sure as heck can do real, what we do really good uh, anywhere, if you will. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think absolutely we need to do a, a whole kind of its own deal on that. Uh, it is really changing the way that you can interact with, with multi-cloud uh, and hybrid cloud, uh, similar to how Azure Monitor kind of revolutionized that as well, uh, including it for free and then having extensions pretty much everywhere. Uh, really gives you that single pane of glass. And I think Azure Arc is going to do that same thing for the management layer. So you have it for the reporting and monitoring layer, and they're just throwing in the uh, the the operations layer on top of that, which I think is going to be super awesome. Yep, absolutely. So um, Premier Tier, Azure Data Lake. So you know, some of my history going back several consulting companies and enterprise companies has always, always either had brushes with the data space or deep in the data space or co-mingled with infra and data and apps. We all co-mingle together, right? Um, so this was kind of cool to see because, you know, the difference, different tiers of data lake. I mean, ADLS Gen 2, uh, this premium bit is going into public preview. And so what's super cool is it's going to complement that that uh, architecture of I want to archive stuff here. This is cool stuff. This is hot stuff. Let's let's be more useful with our approach. And, you know, I love that. And the thing that this brings is that lower latency. This premier tier brings lower latency. Um, so like use cases are like you want some real time access to data and you need to make sure that it's coming is coming fast. So it's going to be streamed out to you in a much more expedited manner. Um, I can see that big use in the IoT world. And and quite frankly, even though, you know, we have a bit of a data background and, and BI background, I came across this feature set that it was coming uh, a while ago through IT user groups and forums, that this was going to be the thing that's going to be in, in, in public preview here soon. So um, I can see that use case being like super, super good. So we're thinking like small size read write transactions we're looking at like hey i got all these little bits and i need to like read it super heavy and fast and, and you know make make it meaningful immediately so there's some some good stuff there and you know it's, it's all in the formula it's all in the type of not just where not what it does but where it's at so you know you can rest assured that it's gonna be sitting on like premium ssd somewhere ready to go ready to like ready to rock and it has that uh that ratio of, you know, per gigabyte transactions. And I think in the show notes, I, I think I just, I think I just noted it as, as like higher RW per gigabyte. And if you think of it, if you're smart with the way you tier your data and choose and pick, it becomes super affordable too. So our next bit, uh, we wanted to touch base on uh, updating Teams clients. So if you're anything like Mr. Girl there and, or myself, the second you hear there's a feature that's available on Teams, 
you're, you're going up to your little head and your team's client and hit check for updates, check for updates, check for updates. Especially if it's custom background blur. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, a couple things that always surfaces and one of the things early on with teams, uh, there was a couple enterprises. I'll, I'll never forget the day when someone sat across on the conference room table. And we're talking about the whole modern workplace landscape and talking about using Azure as the data, data space for storing of their data and data warehousing. And three people at this particular client said, teams will never be deployed in our organization. And I said, well, why is that? And they said, quote, we cannot control the update cycle. Therefore, we cannot get past our security and policy requirements and governance. So what's your take on that approach? Have you seen that? Have you heard anyone say anything like that? Or is that a concern you've come across at all? Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I think it's kind of confusing to me. I always am a fan, and I get the whole security layer and why it's important uh, to check things before you deploy. But you know, for something like an end user application such as Teams, um, you're really, I don't think, going to be able to keep up with the the update cycle given the update frequency of Teams to be able to to test every single potential exploit that would exist. My philosophy on, you know, checking the uh, the update cycle is ensuring usability, not necessarily security. So, you know, if something changes and it's something significant enough that you have to update documentation, training materials, give everybody a heads up that this is happening, something like that. That's really where I see it being most critical, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, with 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 the more agile methodology of of update cycles coming from Microsoft, I think it's going to be harder and harder to limit your your release based on security. Um, I still think usability is important, but really you're going to have to trust your end users to, to kind of roll with the flow there uh, as the updates start rolling. Yeah, I agree there. I had a, a customer actually in the past after Teams first came out ask which ports are used for updated for Teams so they can block it on the network level. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty hardcore <laughs> yeah that is but you know what if you think of it way back in the day when it was mostly just uh, a front end for sharepoint libraries and a way to chat with each other um i know i'm oversimplifying it comments don't go there i know i'm just for effect saying that but you know if you think of it now with applications and sh- sharing and files and you know, it just takes somebody to try to slipstream something into there to hijack your teams. And, and you don't think Microsoft has that in mind. I mean, do you think they really would want to pump out a bad update for teams that cripples it across, you know, the rings? And and, and by rings, if, if you're not aware, they have certain rings of updating. So if you think of like the nearest to the center, like it's developed and the, the closer to the center you are, the earlier and faster you get updates. Um, so, you know, you can... Just like with Office 365, you can choose a targeted, a semi-annual. I mean, they keep changing the way updates are, are named and labeled, which I wish they would just come with something and stay with it. That's, a, again, another topic for another show. Um, but I think that, you know, I think we just need to set the expectation. And, and especially since it's out in the wild and everybody has it and everybody loves it, let's set the expectation to IT pros and security people and people in the business who who are who are concerned with that being being an issue like 
is my functionality going to be changed on me because I got an update and it changes the way I do stuff? Well, you're going to be able to do what you still need to do. It might be just a different click or, or if I do an extra click here, it makes it actually really more easier for you. So, so let's set some expectations. I'm going to take from the show notes, the first off and the second off, then I'm going to hand off to you what Microsoft's official stance is on how those updates are done for Microsoft teams. So teams, first off, Teams does not give admins the ability to deploy updates through any delivery mechanism. That's through System Center, Intune, third-party patching and, 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 and updating software tool or appliance not available to you, period. Second off, if you're running on VDI, which is virtual desktops, if you have a VDI infrastructure, you need to deploy teams in a specific way, uh, especially with VDI in persistence. So this goes back to the Citrix days when you used to have to have for certain Office 365 accounts, you just used to have to do token storing so that when you logged in, you didn't have to re-sign in all over again and reset up your apps. There's things like that that needs to be done from a team's perspective. And they have a guide for VDI and how to install teams on a VDI. So if you need to update your your image or your version of Teams that's sitting on v, on your VDI, you need to get the MSI, update your image, and then redeploy your image as an update out to your users. So that's the first few caveats. It sounds like super negative and restrictive. Trust me, it's not. It, these are for your own good. <laughs> Those first off, second offs for your own good, um, because you know you don't want to have impact. You don't want your users to have a poor experience by having to keep perpetually logging in and setting up their 365 or downloading the client and resetting it up because it's not persistent or or it's just totally bungled. So you want to make sure that you have that covered. And you also don't want to just uh, sit on a legacy bit of code, especially for something as nimble and agile as Teams, um, because you might have ill effects. You, you know, There might be optimizations that are made that if you're not on the newer client, by the time they have their release schedule out, uh, you might have Ill, Ill effects or, or unwanted behaviors. So, so we, we want to you know, emphasize that those two things are super critical and keep an eye on that and remember that um, as, as part part of your documentation purposes and how your apps are updated and secured. And then there's the reg everybody else, the other 99.59s out of of people that this affects is they have Microsoft has a a way of updating and keeping things current, which I pass over to you, sir. Yeah, so I, I like your notes that you have in here and as you pull them from a lot of Microsoft documentation, but you know, the, the update frequency of teams is pretty regular, right? So, um, you know, you, you have noted in here that it usually takes place on Tuesday and they usually release every two weeks, very agile type methodology. It's very, uh, minimal impact to your end users. So if you go and notice at the top, right, when you, you log in, it might say teams is checking for updates. You know, you can continue working while we, while we do that, uh, which is super awesome. It's not going to like cripple you unless it's something super critical. And for those critical updates, it does bypass its, its update frequency. So it will just go ahead and push those updates, uh, given its, its status, if it's something super critical. Uh, and as Michael alluded to earlier, um, definitely something that we both do and, and others in the industry do, uh, that you could also have your end users, uh, trained up on is if you click on your, your picture on the upper right, you, there's an option for check for updates. Um, we do that pretty frequently to see if there's any updates and, and it'll silently download in the background. And I'm, I'm, 
I mashed that six seven. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. It'll update silently and then uh, or download silently and then it'll be installed on your next reboot of Teams uh, or when the computer's idle. So it's it's super. Um, it, it doesn't interrupt your workflow. Um, super easy to do. And uh, you know, I really haven't seen any any sort of issue um, with the updates. Like Michael said, it's it's rigorous text testing on the Microsoft uh, side, uh, and and you know they're kind of trying to offload off. Uh, you know, they're trying to offload that that sort of testing security functionality uh, on their side, so you can uh, focus on on more uh, critical tasks of the of your organization. Absolutely. So the thing I want to call to that is the fact that you need to be signed in for you to get the updates. So uh, if you sign out of your Teams account or you just like log off and it's not there talking, you're not going to get it because the ring you are in is based upon the domain name. And it's just not randomly by domain name. Your administrator of your 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 Microsoft slash Office 365, they control what frequency your updates you normally get. So Microsoft is also looking at who's doing what. And from a team's perspective, from a domain, are you using it? Is you know, what's the volume of people? What's the impact? That kind of a thing. So you need to be logged in with the with the user account that you need uh, to update that client. Um, so fun fact, I know somebody that was on an earlier release cycle. For some reason, they're getting their their updates uh, slightly before we were, and uh, they had two separate do- two separate domains, and they had Teams in both going. And they logged into one with Teams to try to force that <laughs> force the Teams clients to update to get that functionality and and, and features. But uh, yeah, you do need to be logged in for those updates to be uh, found and downloaded. I think that's a super important call out too, because I have noticed, especially if you're prolonged away from a, a machine, which may happen if you're using a work from home device or something like that, um, you can have teams launched in the background, but it may not be signed in. So when you open it, it'll pop up and say, you're no longer signed in, please sign in again. Um, make sure that you are signed in to always get those updates because those security patches and stuff like that are pretty critical if any sort of exploit is found. Absolutely. I'm filling it with the absolutely today, man. (laughs) So uh, Channel 9 Video of the Week, well, Video of the Week is from Channel 9. I got to really preface that better. I always say Channel 9 Video of the Week because it's mostly Channel 9 videos because I love those Channel 9 videos. Uh, But we do go outside of there quite frequently. So uh, I want to call out... Something we talked about, uh, I believe our guest was Justin Snyder, when we started talking about tools and IDEs and whatnot, um, we talked about the different versions of Visual Studio and different things like that. So so I came across in Channel 9 this, and it kind of spoke to me to try to throw it back out there because, you know, as we're becoming more and more... Um, I should say, as we are changing the way we operate more and more, the thing that I find uh, is that you know, the promotion of Visual Studio Code, which we do a lot here. Well, there's people that need the full-blown Visual Studio, like hardcore pro devs need to have, you know, Visual Studio for, you know, whatever reasons that their requirements are for it. So the Visual Studio subscriptions, um, the video on May 7, 2020 on the Visual Studio Toolbox channel on Channel 9, I'm calling off the uh, video of the week to be Visual Studio subscriptions. It's about uh, a a 10, 11-minute video that kind of cuts into 
what is the sub video visual studio subscriptions? Uh, what do you get with each one? And so you can make a, an informed decision that yes, I need full blown visual studio or the online version, or, you know what? Visual studio code is just fine for what I need to do or my team members, or there's maybe some, it's one size doesn't fit all. Maybe it's something in between with your team where some people will need full blown, um, you know, downloadably installed version versus the web version versus code. So uh, this kind of helps you with the subscriptions, what the costs are and what, what it really takes uh, to get out of the best out of it. So that's our video of the week. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to check it out, Josh, but I have not yet, but I'm excited to add it to my to-do list. I think that's a really good one um, to kind of, you know, see what, what tier is best and the functionality, et cetera. So I'm pumped about that. Yep. Of course, it's no fair for us um, because we have access to the visual studio. Um, yeah. the, 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 I will say, I will I will go on record saying I'm not sliding Visual Studio, the full-blown products, whichever flavor. I have redacted a lot of thick, heavy clients off of my machine because I'm trying to make sure I'm I'm criti critically looking at how I'm operating. And I mean, do I need that? Do I need that massive amount of disk taken up? And do I need the, you know, all the bells and whistles that come for the, the things that I do? I'm finding that for a good portion of the stuff I do. I don't. I'm finding that there are use cases that I would need that. So uh, hopefully this helps some of you out there. Um, it, again, it talks through what pricings are with the various different IDs and Visual Studio are. It helps compare them. So it'll help you make an informed decision um, either to renew subscriptions or, you know, add on to subscriptions subscriptions or maybe even limit subscriptions right I mean, yeah yeah it also works that way too you might notice that you're paying for a, a tier of visual studio that you know maybe a, an end user doesn't need uh and it's not to say hey you're not important you don't need the full-fledged version it might be hey this is way too complicated for what you do you actually appreciate this lower tier uh, visual studio code free tier um you know even more so it might actually increase end user functionality as well as save you money in the back end yeah, I, yeah, agreed. So, so my 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 thing that I'm going to throw out to you, sir, is we talked about devices uh, on the last show. Um, I'm wondering if that new S6 you got. I wonder what kind of IDE would work good on that, and and if there's ties that you can put onto that to manage infrastructure and as code or DevOps processes. I'm interested. Yeah, that's a good question. I haven't really downloaded any of those yet on the device, so I'll have to, I'll have to play with it and see uh, what I can find out and maybe report back next show. Sounds good. Sounds good. So we want to make sure that we stop and we thank uh, those who have supported us along the way and continue to support us, Solutions for Networks, s for nets and Right Hand Technology Group. We'll put links to both of those organizations in the show notes and what, what their specialties are too as well. So we'd like to thank them. Any final thoughts for today? Yep, I think that pretty much covers it. Trying to keep it a little bit more short and sweet this time. So hopefully you guys enjoyed and come back for our next show. Absolutely. Uh, thank a nurse if you see one. Uh, thank a medical worker. Uh, thanks uh, an orderly. Thanks someone who who takes their time out to help the help the infirmed. This is uh, you know recognition time for them. So take that moment. Thank them if you see them. And if not, find a random person online and just randomly thank them. They'll appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe. Have a good day. Bye, everyone. But today's show is produced by Mr. Wentworth, directed by Michael Askins. Graphics and artwork provided by Art by Sophia, edited by Mr. Wentworth. Visit the show notes for terms and conditions. Thank you.